Well, welcome home. Welcome to our home again. We're in a series. We're in part five on a series we're calling Running on Empty. We're actually in week eight of this whole online quarantine thing. Um, and I hope that you're doing fine and getting along well. But before we jump into all this this week, I want to say a huge thank you to all the moms out there. I want to say you guys, you just, you rock. It's Mother's Day today. But as you are all very well aware, it's very different this year. And I'd like to show you a video that I think says that very well. So watch this video with me. So yeah, this is a very different Mother's Day for most, but it's also true that there are so many different emotions that go along with even a typical Mother's Day. For many different reasons, for many different women, Mother's Day can be very emotional. If you allow me, I would like to show you one more video that I think sums this up very well. So watch this with me. For the moms who raised us up, gave us hope, and made us strong. For the young moms who became moms sooner than expected and gave it all they had. For the single moms who had to figure out how to do this on their own. For those who never got called mom, but who cared for us all like a mom would. For the hurting moms, who've loved and lost, but never given up. For the praying moms, who don't always know what to do, but always know who to talk to. For the working moms, the stay-home moms, the cooking moms, and the takeout moms. For taking care of us, when you barely had enough time to take care of yourself. For teaching us how to walk, and how to make a difference for the late night snuggles and the early morning pancakes, for sitting with us after our first breakup, for lifting us up when others put us down, for the rides, the meals, the laundry, and the birthday parties, for the years, tears, laughter, and love. It's not enough, but we want to say thank you. Thank you for doing for us what we could never do for ourselves. We love you. We honor you. We remember you. We thank you. So, thank you moms of all kinds and happy Mother's Day. Before we continue, um, I'm going to step away a little bit. The camera operator doesn't know this, but the camera operator also happens to be the mother of my children and my wife. And I kind of hid these and put them aside. And my present to her for Mother's Day will be not making her come around the front to accept them. So I'm going to sneak over there and pass those to her. So happy Mother's Day. And now back to our regularly scheduled program. You may be like us, working harder and working longer hours during this crisis just to make things come together. And whether that's at work or whether it's at home or whatever. Or you may be running way slower on the outside, but inside you completely get it when I use a phrase like running on empty. No matter where you're at on that spectrum, I don't want you running on empty, either inside or out. So what do we do in our vehicle when we're running on empty? We talked about that the first week. Some drive until the very end and hopefully don't run out, but I hope that you stop to refuel before it's too late. That's what we're going to talk about today. 
in week five of running on empty, stopping to refuel. Now, I may not be an expert on this, but I do have some firsthand experience. Like you, I have firsthand experience fueling up my car, um, my motorcycle, my lawnmower, chainsaw, you know, whatever. But also, I worked at a gas station when I was in college. And they weren't like today, the big gas stations. We have way nicer gas stations now. You can get snacks and coffee and donuts and all kinds of things. I worked at a gas station. And that was back when you weren't even allowed to pump your own gas. I, as the gas station attendant, pumped your gas for you. You didn't even get out of your car. In fact, I think the only other thing we had for sale was oil. So I have a little experience at stopping to refuel. For most, it's not necessarily the most glamorous thing to do, and it can even be painful when the gas prices are high. Well, at the moment, the gas prices are down. The bad thing is most of us can't go anywhere. Um, maybe there might be more road trips this summer. Um, people might not be flying them. I, I heard somebody on the news talking about um, back in the 50s, they had a, a commercial, see the USA in your Chevrolet. And so maybe there'll be more of that this summer. Maybe there'll be more stopping to refuel. Maybe not something everyone's looking forward to, though. So I want to present, uh, portray, paint a picture of stopping to refuel in a positive light because it is absolutely essential for us. I've got to take that potentially negative image from our culture and try to help you understand that in, in the spiritual life, this whole idea of refueling that we know so well in the automobile life is essential to your spiritual life. If you want to be vibrant in your relationship with God, if you want to draw close to Him, if you want that intimacy that your heart longs for, if you want to experience that freedom and fullness, that comes from being a follower of Jesus, you've got to learn to fill up on him. That's actually the prayer and the challenge the Apostle Paul had for the church of Ephesus. It's the same prayer that I have for you. He says in Ephesians 3, 19, you will, and it means decisively, completely, whenever needed, you will be filled. And, and the tense of that is one at a time, completely filled whenever needed. You will be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. The word actually means to be filled, to be filled, to be filled, to be filled. It's a constant refueling. And do you know why that is? Because we have a constant need. What I know to be true about my life is this. If I'm not filled on a regular basis, and for me, it's got to be on a daily basis, I feel different. I feel empty. The sad thing is other people notice a difference in me as well. Other people that I'm doing life with are looking at my fuel gauge, my spiritual fuel gauge. They know when I'm empty because my emptiness affects others. So what happens in my life when I'm empty? Maybe you can identify with some of the things on my list. I'm more selfish with my time. I'm spiritually empty. I'm more selfish. I'm more impatient which can show up in how I respond to people or how I drive and things like that. When I'm empty, my judgment is distorted and I don't make good decisions. When I'm empty, I don't have as much compassion for others who are hurting. When I'm empty, I'm more quickly enticed to temptations. I feel more vulnerable. 
When I'm empty, I begin to think that I deserve certain things. When I'm empty, I'm short with people, especially short people. I'm kidding. I'm short with everybody when I'm empty. When I'm spiritually empty, I'm also more cynical. I'm more critical of others in my thinking. My insecurities show up more. I begin looking for others to fill up what only God can fill up. So I know the look of spiritual emptiness in my life. I know what it looks like, and it's not a pretty sight. What about you? Do you know what it looks like for you to be empty? And do you know what it looks like to be full? Or have you been running your spiritual life on fumes for so long that you've forgotten what this taste of fullness is all about? That if you have a choice between running on empty and being full, like that passage says, be filled with the fullness of life and power, which would you choose? If I could show you today how not to run on empty, if I could show you how to live your life where you are always topped off, would you be interested in that? I want to take you on a little journey through three biblical passages. Before we get to the how, I need to build a case for the why. If the why doesn't make sense to you, the how is not going to have any power at all. So we're going to go after the why first. Why do I need to be refueled on a daily basis? Here's the first reason. Because something has to change. Emptiness isn't working for me. I'm tired of being so busy. I'm tired of being so empty. There's a passage in the Old Testament, Jeremiah 6, verse 16. It says this, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. I hope you heard that passage. I hope you read it, read it and reread it. I hope you will meditate on it, read it over and think about it because you ask where the good path is, then you walk in it, and then you find rest for your soul. You're at a crossroads. I'm convinced many of you listening right now, you're at a crossroads in your life and you're looking for some kind of relief. There's this gnawing sense in your gut and you just don't wanna keep running on empty. Instead of running on empty, take the advice from the scripture. Find the good way, you walk in it, and then you get rest for your soul. That's what we're longing for. You're ready for change. You're ready for something better. Remember last week, I had you remember one sentence. Busy isn't better. Choosing better is better. Because something has to change. That's the first reason. Here's the second reason. I need to refuel because I have a soul that wants to be filled. I have a soul that wants to be filled. It's likely you don't give much thought to the fact that you even have a soul. You know, that may be too much of kind of like a general generalization, you know. And some of you get defensive. I think about soul all the time. And I would say, I'm not talking about music. We're not talking about that kind of music. The reality is we give a lot of thought to our bodies. We give some thought to our minds but we give very little thought to our souls. Track with me for a minute. When our bodies are empty, we know how to fill them up. We eat. In fact, we know too well how to do that. When our minds are empty, we can fill our minds up through things like study and reading, or we can watch Netflix or Hulu or play video games or do a million other things, but we're basically always filling our minds with something. 
We're either filling our minds with good things or bad things. But what do you do when your soul is empty? I may be wrong, but I believe people don't give much thought to their soul. Mostly because I think most people don't even know they have a soul. You know, what is a soul? It's the invisible part of you. The soul is the eternal part of you. It's the part of you that connects with God. Your soul is what makes you different from all the rest of creation. It's the real you. It's what defines you. And that's why Jesus made such a big deal about it. He wanted people to understand your soul is more important than your stuff. Your soul is more important than your activity. Your soul is more important than your career. Your soul is the most important. You need to value your soul. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 26. How do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul in the process? Is anything worth more than your soul, he said. See, some of you here, you're so busy trying to gain the whole world or gain your share of the world or even create this little world of your own, but in doing so, you're losing your soul. We go through life trying to fill our homes and our bodies and our calendars and our bank accounts and we give little or no attention to our soul. All our souls, they were designed to connect with God. That's why if you're listening, and maybe you wouldn't call yourself a follower of Jesus, but you'd call yourself curious or seeking. You just kind of tuned in to see what this is about. You know, there's a reason for that. There's a reason that you're seeking. It's because you know in your soul that there's something more than just yourself. There's something more to life than just what we know on this playground called Earth. There's something drawing you to a more spiritual place. You and I have a soul, and it cries out to be filled. Here's the third thing. My soul filling is an investment in eternity. See, if I take the time to refuel my soul, I am making an investment in all of eternity. The Bible says this about our bodies. Um, this is a little painful, but it says our bodies are just a container. We're just a container. We're jars of clay. We're just a container. And I, I know those of you who are a little more old school listening to this, when you think about a container, maybe like me, you think about Tupperware. So think about that for a minute. Your body is Tupperware. We come in all different sizes and shapes, just like Tupperware. We like to go to parties, <laughs> like Tupperware. We feel a lot better when we're burped, just like Tupperware. Some of us are going to tremendous lengths in order to make our Tupperware look better. We modify our Tupperware, but here's the thing. You are still you. Your soul is what defines you, not the container. In 2 Corinthians 5, verses 6 and 7, Paul writes this, Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. See, when I connect with God, when I make this refueling connection, I'm not only accessing the power and guidance that I need for today, but I'm making an investment in eternity where my, my real and my final home is going to be. Thinking about the, the stuff that you're doing, whatever it is you're doing, the stuff you're building, the stuff you're gathering, the stuff that you're achieving, do you know none of those things are going to last? But when you take time to fill your soul, when you take time to refuel and you take time to connect your soul with God, you're making an investment in eternity. That's time well spent. 
That's the why. That's why we've got to understand in our heads so that we can move it to our hearts. Why do I need to refuel? The why triggers the emotion. When you listen to that, and, and if you're paying attention, you say, I do want to refuel. That sounds good, bring it on. Enthusiasm dips a little when we get into the how. The how is where you're gonna to have to hang with me for a few minutes, okay? How is this gonna work in my life? How do I actually do this? How do I deepen my soul? How do I make soul filling a habit? Let's talk about you. The best way I can start this part about you is to talk about guilt. Because I just wanna relieve the guilt that many of you feel. I'm gonna go out on a limb and I'm gonna make a, a guess. I don't have any hard data to back this up. It's just my gut, but it's my gut from being in ministry for 40 years and having tons of conversations with people about their spiritual lives. So my gut says this, about 75% of Christians do not have a daily time where they refuel their soul with God. 75% is my guess. Here's what I know to be true about many people. They want to, they want to but they don't. I hear about this guilt all the time. People, I hear people say, I must be the only Christian who isn't living this vibrant, dynamic life. I can't remember the last time I made a real connection with God. And they feel all this guilt. I'm gonna tell you where that guilt comes from. The guilt comes from comparison. They compare what they've heard about other people's Bible reading, about other people's quiet time. And they say, I wish I read the Bible more. I wish I could pray longer. I wish I had a really good quiet time. And that guilt comes from comparison. You're comparing what you know or think you know about yourself to what you really don't know about other people. When I was in seminary, I heard a quote supposedly by, Mar uh, supposedly by Martin Luther. And he said this, my day is so busy that I get up at 4 a.m. and spend three hours with God before the day starts. Do you know how many years I felt guilty over that statement? I didn't even know there was a 4 a.m., okay? It's those kinds of statements. Or maybe I heard Mother Teresa said something like this. Spend one hour a day, an hour a day in adoration of your Lord, and never do anything that you know is wrong, and you'll be all right. Friends, there is a difference. There's a reason that Martin Luther and Mother Teresa are known for their faith. If you're anything like me, you're nothing like them. I'm probably closer to Mother Goose than Mother Teresa. So stop comparing yourself. Stop feeling guilty. You're not Mother Teresa. You're not Martin Luther. You're you. Be you in your faith. And you learn how to refuel that's consistent in a way that you're wired. What I want to do is challenge you. I wanna challenge you to do something different. I'm gonna challenge you that if you're a part of that 75% and you're not having a daily time where you're refueling with God, I wanna challenge you to change something about your system. Just do something different because you know the definition of sanity. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting the same results. I'm sorry, expecting different results. We get the same results. Many of us are going, I want that link with God. But you keep doing the same thing over and over. It's not working and nothing changes. I wanna give you something that's not guilt-inducing. And I think all of you can do this. 
I think you can start today and it's just six words. That's actually two words less than last week. You can do this. First, the first thing you've got to do every day, you've got to stop. You've got to stop your life. I know what most of you are thinking. Stop my life. The whole world has stopped right now, right? Here's what I know. You've got to stop your life, even right in the middle of this crazy shutdown thing. You've got to stop your life. This is the opposite of go, 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 you know, move and do and do, whether it's internal or external. This is the opposite of that. Honestly, I don't care how long you do this for. I just want you to stop everything. Stop your life for a period of time during the day. It sounds easy and it's not. Here's the point. For your soul to be refreshed, for your soul to be nourished, you've got to stop. You can't refuel on the run. We're not one of those jets that flies and the other jet comes up and they have this hose come down and refuel. We can't do that. As much as we'd like to have our cars just drive past the gas station and they're filled up, it doesn't work that way. And you can't refuel spiritually on the run. And many people struggle with stopping. I'm asking you to stop. Stop your body, stop your mind from the tasks, stop the to-do list, you just stop. It's gonna take some practice for some of you. You've gotta have to learn, excuse me, to learn how to stop. You've gotta stop your hurried spirit. Stop everything. Those of you who are doers, I know what you're thinking. You're like, okay, stop. Okay, I've got the first one, I stopped. Now what do I do? Okay, here's the second thing. Second thing you do, first you stop, and then you be quiet. To be refueled, quiet or silence is the equivalent of air and water for the soul. Silence is an important ingredient in the process of spiritual growth. In a world where noise is so much around us, silence can actually be deafening. Some of us can't handle silence because we've conditioned ourselves to need noise. I know during this couple months of, of quarantine, I've been working alone in the office the majority of the time for the last couple months. It has been so quiet. And there's some good to that. I've gotten a lot more done than I would normally. But at some point during the day, I think the silent gets, silence gets to me. I hear every single noise like it has the volume cranked up. The silence can be deafening. But here's the thing. We need to be quiet. Think about this. When you have to get up in the morning, you wake up to an alarm noise. You turn on music noise or TV noise. You get in your car and you turn on more noise. You go to the store and you've got noise. You come home and there's noise. You've got everything happening in your house and you just want to get away from the noise. So you go out for a walk and you put headphones on and turn on more noise. Then you go to bed and you can't fall asleep, so you download some nature sounds to help you relax. And I would say, friends, we're psycho. We have conditioned ourselves to need noise. But to refuel your soul, you've got to be quiet. Here's why I want you to get this. If you're going to be quiet, that's where God speaks. God is not going to compete with the noise of sports. He's not going to compete with the noise of TV. He's not going to compete with your own noise. He's not going to compete with that. God loves us so much, he wants to communicate with us. 
And communication is a two-way street. It's not just us talking to God, it's God talking to us, putting impressions in our heart that you can't hear when there's noise. We were in a series on Elijah when this whole quarantine thing started, and we're going to get back to that series in detail. But the very next thing we were going to look at in that series on Elijah, where he had this incredible battle that he had won. He'd actually battled all these false prophets. They were trying to prove that um, their false prophets were God. He was saying there's only one true God, and one true God will show up, and God did show up. And there was this great spiritual battle took place that he won. Then all of a sudden, after the battle, Elijah just kind of had a meltdown. He ran off and hid. And he started saying, God, you were there in that moment, but where are you now? I just can't hear you anymore. Right after that, 1 Kings 19, the story picks up in verse 11, and God says, go out and stand before me on the mountain. That's what God tells Elijah. So from his hiding place, he goes out and he stands on the mountain. As Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast, the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. A gentle whisper. That was God. Other translations I'm used to from the past call it a still small voice. I love that image of God having a still small voice, a gentle whisper into your life. I wonder in my own life how many times I miss the voice of God because I was around noise so much. The challenge is stop and be quiet. The point is we've got to do something different because same old, same old isn't working. So we stop, we be quiet, and then the third thing I want to ask you to do is make a connection. Make a connection. You stop, you be quiet, you make a connection. This is where you connect with God. If there's any generation in the history of the world that understands connection, it's the generation we're in right now. We are always connected. Some of you have been texting and answering emails and posting things while I've been talking. Yes, I know you've been doing that. That's how connected we are. With all the stuff that we've got, the smartphones, the instant messaging, the social media, the email, everything else, we are always connected. Connection. What I'm asking you to do is, for a little bit of time, pause the outer connections so you can make an inner connection. The inner connection is essential to getting filled up. If you make this connection, I guarantee you this. I promise that your life is going to be different. It's going to be more significant. It's going to be more um, soul nourishing. It's going to be deeper. This connection can happen in many different ways. And I'll get a little more specific in just a minute with you. But when you make a connection, the connection kind of begs three questions. When, where, and what? So I want to answer those, because if I'm going to make a connection with God, if I'm going to make it a daily habit, here's what I have to do. I have to come up with a when. When. To put it simply, when am I going to stop? When am I going to be quiet? When am I going to make a connection? There are no rules 
for when. There's a lot of guilt that comes into play here. Everybody thinks it needs to be in the morning because the Bible says Jesus got up early in the morning and prayed. It does. Do you know the Bible also says Jesus prayed at night? So feeling guilty about this, you can just stop. Now, it normally works better for me in the morning, but that's not more or less spiritual. It's just how it works for me, but not always. Sometimes I have early morning obligations and my when has to be at another time. But you have to start this habit somehow. So you have to have a when. Choose a when. For you, when is it going to be? Is it going to be before work? Is it going to be after work? Is it going to be during work lunch break? Is it, is it late at night? Is it after the kids go to bed? Is it early in the morning? When is it for you? You settle on a when. Then you stick to that when for a few weeks until it becomes a habit. And if you miss, then you stop, be quiet, make a connection at another time, and get back to making your habit. It should not be guilt-driven. So, your when, you have to decide that. The second question is where. Where is it going to be? For me, the only requirement for where is I've got to be in a place that's quiet and away from things that distract me. I've got to have a where. For me, it's usually, I've showed you this before in my other room there, it's a chair. I've got a lamp there, I've got a table with my Bible on it or, a, or my phone with a Bible app on it. Um, I don't sit at my desk, mainly because I can barely find my desk. That's a whole other story. But I have a place. Now, it doesn't have to be this amazing, picturesque, you know, serene setting. It doesn't have to be that. It can be. That's not wrong. But for me, it just has to be quiet. So there's a when, and there's a where, and then there's a what. What are you going to do? In the electronic world that we live in, we use tools to connect with things. Computers and, and phones and iPads and those kinds of things. We use those tools to connect with people. Basically, the what here that we're talking about is what tools are you going to use to connect? There's a lot of different tools that you can use to connect with God, but in reality, I only know how to refuel my soul. I can't tell you how to refuel your soul, but you've got to find the what. We're all wired differently. Now notice I haven't said anything about time yet. If you're in the 75% and you're not doing it at all, five minutes is great. How about five minutes to stop and be quiet and make a connection? Just start there. As your soul gets nourished, what happens is you want to spend more time. See, I haven't specified any time thing here because remember, it's not about guilt. I think one of the tools that you use might be prayer, talking to God. One of the tools might be reading God's word where he can speak to you through his word. You might get a notebook or use a, a notes app kind of thing and journal. You can write down your prayers. You can write down your thoughts from your Bible study or questions from reading the Bible. Or you can write what God is impressing on your heart and put a date on it so you can go back and look at that later. Sometimes my soul just needs to be quiet and I just need to reflect. Sometimes my soul needs encouragement and I go to God's word. Sometimes my soul needs to be, um, needs help in order to understand God's word better. So I need to go to a book or a commentary or look something up to help me understand what I just read. My point is there is a lot of different ways that you can do 
the what. What I'm asking is that it's not, it's not something that you feel you have to do out of guilt. It's something that you do because you want to refuel. I'm asking you to refuel by doing these three things. Stop, be quiet, make a connection. Can you see yourself doing that? Does it seem possible? Does it seem practical? Do you see yourself being filled up? So you don't need a gas station attendant like me doing your refueling for you. Some of you are doing the same thing with your spiritual life as those people way back then when I was in college were doing with their cars. They were driving in to get filled up and then driving out. That's what they were doing. You need to learn to do it for yourself, at least when it comes to the kind of refueling that we're talking about. Can you imagine with me for a moment if your soul was really topped off? How maybe your life might be different, your pace might be different, your priorities might be different, the way you treat other people might be different, the way you feel about yourself might be different. You wouldn't be running on empty. As Paul said to the church, I want you to be filled with the fullness of the life and power that comes from God. Can you see that for yourself? I can. I can see it for you. I can see it for our church. I know that you can do this. I know that you can find the time to stop, to be quiet, to make a connection. That's what God wants for your soul. Not only an investment for today, but an investment for eternity. Let me, allow me to pray for you. God, I believe that there are so many people who want to make a connection. Many of us, many of us have felt guilty because we compare ourselves. All the things we're not doing as opposed um, to just stopping and quieting ourselves and making a connection with you. God, we all have different lives and work schedules. Lord, would you give us the wisdom that we know comes from you? the when in our day that we can stop and be quiet and make that connection with you. God, I know you long for that connection and that our soul longs to connect with you. I pray this won't just be another message in the mix of messages that we hear, but one that moves us to action to stop, to be still, and to make a connection. And if there is anybody listening to this that has not made yet that first connection with you, that they would realize it's not by the things they do, it's not, it's not because of church or religion or rules or regulation. It's because of that relationship with you and they can have that relationship with you through Jesus. By recognizing that they're a sinner, that that sin separated them from you, that's why Jesus came and died on the cross, to pay for our sins. So that we could recognize that, that we could believe that, that we could receive Jesus as our Savior. Trust in him and what he did for us to get us into heaven. And then, Father, we can stop, we can be quiet, and we can have that connection with you where we get refilled. We thank you for that, and we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you. I hope you make your connection this week that you stop, be quiet, make the connection that you figure out, you know, the, the when so that you can do that. And remember, it's not about guilt or comparison. It's about being refueled in the soul. So I love you. I miss you. Can't wait to see you again. Thank you.